Alright, greetings fellow captains, and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today on Rank Amateur, uh, we will be featuring the Tier 10 American Battleship Montana. But before we get to that, we're going to get into the World of Warships news. And you guys may have thought I was dead or something. I don't know, but um, I am back. I uh, just got very busy over the past few weeks, and life just kind of got in the way of making podcasts. But I'm back, and we're here uh, with the news of World of Warships lately, and um, not much has happened. Although stuff is going to happen, there's going to be the introduction of... Uh, German battlecruisers, uh, at least the early access tiers, I think three or four to nine of those, and news of that should be coming out, um, at least, yeah, news of that should be coming out soon, I think? They don't have any news posted on, um, any, on any of the websites yet, so we will see how that, um, pans out, but... Uh, there is some minor news. Uh, we have the USS Rochester is um, in the premium shop. It's an Oregon City class cruiser, which is basically a Baltimore or an improved Baltimore. Saw so extensive service throughout the Korean War, um, and it looks a lot more like a Des Moines than it does Baltimore. But it is a Balt uh, Baltimore class cruiser. Uh, what's unique about this is it has a smoke generator, so it's kind of a I think it's kind of a worse Baltimore, a slightly worse Baltimore that has a smoke generator. Uh, no torpedoes, but it has hydroacoustic search and defensive AA fire in separate slots. So you do not need to swap out for that. Um, they also have the Soviet aircraft carrier uh, Tier 10, the Nakamov, that's come out, I think. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's going to be coming out pretty soon. Obviously got all the... Other Soviet carriers, if you want to play them. And then, um, yeah, I think that's mostly it for news. Oh, they're announcing that now on your birthday you'll get 7 Days of World of Warships premium account, 2 super containers, and a 100% uh, cashback coupon uh, for the Armory, I think. Yeah, I think it's the Armory. Um, there's a Transformers event, that's kind of weird. Um, there's a mid-autumn mid festival where you can uh, get, like, a flag and a patch with, like, a moon on it. And then there's also a chance to buy a uh, Kaga and a Prinz Eugen that have these weird autumn camouflages on them. I mean, they look... I think they look pretty cool. They're, like, sort of, like, Japanese-like camouflages, so why the Prinz Eugen um, has been chosen to be one of the ships that they're going to put this very Japanese camouflage on, I don't know. I think... It would have been a lot more popular if they would have chose something like an Adago or a, a Miyoko or something like that and just sold the camouflage for that because it kind of goes with a more Japanese theme, but, you know, to each his own. Um, and then I actually have an announcement to make. I did actually grind through the dockyard and obtain the uh, De Seven Provincia, so I expect a review on that coming soon. Obviously, you can't really get it anymore. It's more going to be like, how do I play against this ship? And I can tell you, it's not going to be that hard to do. 
uh, first few matches in it didn't go all too well, although they were convoy battles, so you can't really judge it that much, but, um, and I've, you know, first battles, you can't really judge a ship, uh, ship that much, so we'll see how further, uh, testing goes. Although, I can say those airstrikes, they do pack quite a punch. Because they have such a narrow drop area, it's easy to target, um, if, like, if you know a ship is in a certain portion of a smoke screen, it's easy to target that portion of a smoke screen with it, and you'll guarantee yourself more hits than just blanketing a large area like the Johan de Witt or the Golden Leo, or the Golden Lion. I'll pronounce it Golden, Golden Lion because it's pronounced way differently than it's spelled, and I don't want to offend any Dutch people. But that is it for uh, World of Warships news. Oh, wait, actually, never mind. This just popped up when I refreshed. Uh, um... So, there is a weird trailer they have. Um, it is uh, Steer to the Lighthouse. It says, we invite you to visit the Lighthouse, uh, a place for talented commanders to find the ships that they want. And um, that's it. So, it says, uh, detailed information about this event will be published next week. So, I have no idea what that is. Um... I guess I'll be interested to see if it's maybe an auction to get like a Belfast or something like that. That might be kind of worth it. Um, yeah, but that's that's kind of it. Oh, and Kings of the Sea is coming up. <laughs> and uh, registration is closing, so uh, if you want to get... Um, or actually, no, registration closed. Never mind. So disregard that previous statement. And let's get right into the USS Montana. So the USS Montana um, is a bit of an interesting history. Um, it was not actually built, as many of you may know. It was the planned successors to the Iowa class of battleships uh, seen in World of Warships at Tier 9. Uh, basically, uh, or it looks like on the surface just literally plopping another turret on the back of it and then calling it done, and they actually did quite a bit more of that. Uh, than that in uh, the design phases of the Montana-class battleships. Um, so there's going to be five Montana-class battleships. Uh, USS Montana, USS Ohio, USS Maine, USS New Hampshire, and USS Louisiana. Um, so these uh, battleships, they were essentially going to be, um, obviously, bigger Iowas, but they were going to be slower and way more heavily armored. They were going to be, like, I think, a 100 and... I want to say like a hundred and something feet wide. It was insane how big these things were going to be. Um, well, they were going to, first of all, they were going to weigh 63,221 long tons uh, standard and 70,000 long tons full load. They were going to have a length of 921 feet 3 inches overall. Um, and they were going to have a beam of 121 feet 2 inches. So uh, they would be 280 meters long and 36 meters wide. And they're going to have a draft of 36 feet um, or 10.97 meters, which is insane. These battleships were going to be so inconceivably big, they would rival the Yamatos in pretty much every respect, and they would actually beat them in some of their uh, armor protection and um, just sheer broadside uh, shell weight and throw weight. Um, so they would have had an installed power of eight Babcock and Wilcox, two Drum Express-type boilers, and they were going to have four sets of Westinghouse geared steam turbines uh, for a total of 172,000 horsepower. They're going to have four shafts and two rudders, a speed of 28 knots maximum, and a range of 15,000 nautical miles going at uh, 15 knots. Uh, and they would carry 2,355 people, and set up as a flagship, they would carry 2,789 people. The armament consisted of 12 6-inch or 406mm 50 caliber Mark 7 guns, 
Uh, these would be the same guns that are carried on the Iowa class. 25 inch, 127 millimeter, 54 caliber, uh, Mark 16 guns. Uh, so I believe, uh, yes, they are actually different than the ones that are carried on the Iowas. The ones that are carried on the Iowas are, let me look at, let me get here. Um, they are, oh, it doesn't say the mark on them. Uh, yeah, it does not say what mark the, um, yeah, okay. I couldn't find it, but uh, I think it's a Mark 15 gun that's on the iOS, I think. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, yes, but they are actually different than um, the ones that are on the iOS, so that's why you, if you look in game, they're kind of weird. They're like more squarish than the ones on the iOS, and you might think that might be a mistake that, or at least I thought it was a mistake, that the World of Warships game designers uh, uh, accidentally put in there. But no, that is actually not a mistake. That um, That was deliberate. Um, and it was actually research, or it was actually researched well. They would have put a different type of gun on there. Uh, they would have carried a 10 to 40, uh, depending on the configuration. Bofors 40 millimeter anti-aircraft guns, and then 56 Orlikin 20 millimeter anti-aircraft guns. Uh, they would have had 16.1 inches or 409 millimeters of uh, main belt armor. The lower belt would have been 7.2. Uh, to 8.5 uh, inches, or 183 to 216 millimeters, uh, inclined 10 degrees. Uh, the bulkheads would have had 18 inches, or 457 millimeters of armor. In uh, the forward bulkhead and the rear is going to be 387, or 15.25. The barbettes are going to have 21.3, or 541 millimeters. Um, and then in the after, we're going to only have 18 inches or 457 millimeters. The turret face, we're going to have 22.5 inches of armor, or 572 millimeters. The decks would have 2.25 inches, 57 millimeters, or uh, 7 to 7, or, yeah, 7.05 to 7.35, uh, or 179 to 187 millimeters um, in the midsection. And then on the very rear, is going to be 0.63 to 1 inch, or uh, 16 to 25 millimeters on the deck. They would have carried 3 to 4 volt Vaunt OS2U Kingfisher or Curtis SC Seacock uh, float planes. Um, and then those would have been for spotting duties. Uh, they would have had two catapults. And yeah, that's the specifications of the Iowa, the Iowa class, the Montana class. So yeah, these things were enormous, and they would have been the, I think, one of the largest U.S. Navy ships, or at least the heaviest U.S. Navy ships that had ever been put into service, and they have only been eclipsed by supercarriers uh, recently. So yeah, these things are yeah enormous. Some of, they would have been some of the largest ships put to sea like ever at that point um, in uh, like shipbuilding history. So a few interesting things about the Montana, they would have had to make the Panama Canal wider to uh, fit these ships through because the Iowa class did only have about, I think I said like six inches on, on either side of going through the Panama Canal and the locks there. Uh, so the Navy was going to build a special um, kind of locks for itself. They were going to be armored and able to resist uh, air assault, and they were going to be reserved for Navy ships. They would have been large enough to accommodate the Montana class. So yeah, there's a lot of infrastructure that's going up to build these ships. Um, there's also in the uh, New York Navy Yard where some of these ships were going to be built. I think um, um, USS Maine 
uh, USS New Hampshire and, or no, yeah, USS Maine and USS New Hampshire were going to be built to it in the New York Navy Yard, and they had to build a bigger, uh, like, dry dock to build these things in. And they couldn't launch them because they were so huge. They had to float them out kind of like they do in the uh, World of Warships dockyard. So, uh, yeah. And then they would have to be, like, partially built and then put put under the Brooklyn Bridge. And then um, the masts and radars and things would have to be put on after that because they wouldn't fit under the Brooklyn Bridge. So, yeah. These things were insane. And there's actually a huge article on this. Uh, it, it would take me... A very long time to condense this into um, you know uh, enough so that the episode did not go on for like probably three hours yeah just a ton of information on this but essentially uh, bigger Montana or bigger Iowa they were de designed to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Japanese Yamato class although at the beginning of their construction the United States did not actually know the existence of the um, Yamato class because they were created in such secrecy but yeah so Bismarck and uh, uh, the H-Class that Germany was planning, they, these things were designed to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and just slug it out. And they were designed to resist their own uh, super-heavy 2,300-pound projectiles. Yes, the super-heavy aspect of uh, U.S. Navy projectiles did exist in real life. Um, and it was just everything. Uh, they were designed with the all-or-nothing armor philosophy. Just the, the, They're the epitome of American shipbuilding, is the Montana-Class. It's like if you took everything that American shipbuilders were doing at the time and turned it up the dial up to like 10, then you get the Montana. So we were going to put nine guns on the Iowa's. We'll put 12. Uh, we were going to put like, you know, like 300 millimeters of plating on the belt. We're going to put like 400. And, you know, uh, we're going to make the speed... Yeah, you know, the Iowa's went too fast. We're going to turn the speed down a little bit. And so we could, you know, just sit there in the middle of a fight just tanking damage so that our destroyers and things uh, can set off ambushes. And we're going to put so many anti-aircraft guns on the ship, it's going to have a hard time floating. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, these things would basically be unsinkable um, by anything but... Uh, you know, extremely coordinated attack on an isolated Montana, which would never happen. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's the that's the Montanas, just really, really big Iowas. All right, now let's take a look at USS Montana in World of Warships. So USS Montana in World of Warships um, is not a bigger Iowa. She does not play like the Iowa at all. And yeah, I tried to play her like in Iowa in my first... F probably about 10 or 15 games in playing uh, USS Montana, and uh, it did not work well at all. I tried going to different flanks, I kind of tried playing around with like how fast I was going, and every pretty much every single time I was just overwhelmed and sunk instantly. It didn't have the speed or the concealment or the maneuverability of USS Iowa, and it just did not work well. I was under the impression that this ship sucked, and I made one crucial decision, and it changed the entire outcome of pretty much every game that I've played so far after uh, that point by just making one decision at the beginning of the match. And I'll tell you what that is a little later. But let's go over um, the build on, or uh, not the build, uh, just the specs on USS Montana. I'm sure many of you know this, but we'll go over for, for those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with World of Warships or are trying to learn. So, main battery, uh, 4x3, 406mm, 50 caliber Mark 7 guns, 23.65km uh, range, 30 second reload time, um, 
45 seconds, 180 degree turn time. Accuracy is 1.9 Sigma. I think that got nerfed actually recently. It used to be 2.0, but it's now 1.9 Sigma. Uh, 297 meter dispersion, uh, horizontal and vertical, you got 178. So not the most accurate guns in the game, but certainly not the uh, least accurate guns in the game. So right in the middle. Alright, so the HE shells. You're probably not going to be using these all that often, but uh, base specs are going to be 136,800 uh, raw DPM. Maximum damage on each shell is 5,700. 820 meters second velocity, 862 kilogram shell weight. Uh, you have a 4 meter depth explosion on these for shooting at submarines. The HE penetration is 68 millimeters. Burn probability is 36%. Um, so yeah, pretty much guaranteed to get a fire. Uh, when you fire these guns, although that's theoretically, it doesn't actually happen that much. Uh, the AP is where it's at. Uh, that raw DPM is 324,000. The maximum damage is 13,500 damage per shell. The initial shell velocity is 762 meters a second because it's American armor piercing. It is super slow, but once it gets there, if it hits, it usually hits pretty hard. Um, the shell weight is 100. Uh, no, is 1.225 k kilograms, so 1,225 kilograms. It ricochets from 45 to 60 degrees. The depth explosion is only two meters. It overmatches 28 millimeters of armor. It has an arming threshold of 68 millimeters and a fuse time of 0 0.033 seconds. Uh, so since submarines are going to be coming into randoms pretty soon, I feel like we should go over the airstrike component that this has. Now, pretty much every ship has an airstrike now. It's just that some have um, anti-ship airstrikes as well, like the Dutch. Um, although the Montana doesn't have this, it does have anti-submarine airstrikes. So you get uh, the PBY Catalina flying boats. Uh, you have one flight, and each aircraft has uh, 2,000 HP. There's six bombs at a payload, and the bomb type is a 350-pound depth charge, Mark 54. It does 3,400 damage if it hits a submarine. Um, depth explosion is 8 meters. Uh, chance of causing a fire is 19%, and the maximum range is 13 kilometers. Reload time is 50 seconds, which is... Uh, I don't know how like short or long that is, because I haven't played any other ship that has an airstrike. Um... Or at least the submarine airstrike. No, I've actually played the Arizona. Oh, no, I played the Arizona random, so I haven't gotten a chance to see that yet. Uh, but there's a 15-second delay, and, yeah. So there's, a seven, I think, a 7-second timer on the um, bombs, or on the depth charges for when they, uh, you know, have to sink and explode. There's around 7 seconds after they hit the water that they explode. Um, so the secondary armament has a maximum range of 7.3 kilometers. Uh, there's 10, or, or there's 20 guns, so 10 turrets, a 2, 127mm, 54 caliber, Mark 16 guns on a Mark 41 mount. Uh, they do 1,800 maximum damage with an initial uh, shell velocity of 808 meters a second. The reload time is uh, 4 seconds. The accurate, or the rate of fire is going to equate to 15 rounds per minute per gun. Uh, the accuracy is pretty awful. I think it's standard, though. Yeah, okay, so it's it's standard, it's not improved like the Germans or anything like that, or the uh, Ohio or anything. So it's got a uh, Sigma of 1.0, uh, maximum dispersion of 447 meters at that 7.3 kilometers, and uh, HE penetration is 21 millimeters with a burn probability of 9.0. So it's a viable secondary build, because you can get this up pretty far, but I don't really recommend it. Um, the AA defense is mediocre at best. 
uh, well, okay, slightly more than mediocre, uh, especially if you build into it, you can get this thing to be really good. This thing used to be, like, the be-all, end-all of AA, though. Like, before they changed the, um, before the CV re rework, this was a no-fly zone. Like, you'd see just a, even, not even just the division of Montana's, like, and not even an AA-spec Montana. You just see the planes go in there, they click on them, and disappear. It is. It was amazing, but it's not that. It's not even like the Seven Provincia levels. Like the Seven Provincia, or the DZP as I'll call it, it has an AA rating too higher than the Montana, and it's at tier 8. So, yeah, the Montana, not what it used to be. 96,300 hit points, though. Fires burn for 60 seconds, do 17,000 uh, total damage. You have a probability reduction of 50%. Uh, flooding birds for, or uh, floods for 40 seconds does 19,000 total damage per flood. Uh, yeah, uh, and then concealment is atrocious. Uh, it's not as good as the other was. Uh, so after, so it, on the sea, it's giving me 17.29 kilometers. After firing your guns at smoke, it's 17.38 kilometers. And when on fire, it's 19.29 kilometers. So yes, it is very insane. And by the air, it's 12.91 kilometers. Uh, maximum speed's 30 knots. Yeah, that's kind of... Wait, 30 knots? I don't even know if that's right. Is BioZFT wrong? I don't think it's 30 knots. Do I have a flag on? No, okay, that's kind of strange. I could have swore it was 28 knots, but 30 knots. Uh, full power forward, 60 seconds. Full power backward is 30 seconds. You have a power to ra weight ratio of 2.39 horsepower per ton. And uh, you have a turning circle radius of uh, actually not too bad for the size, 950 meters. I think you st it's not awful, I, th I think it's right around normal. Um, I know Kremlin has worse, uh, Kearsarge is going to have worse, and Incomparable is going to be atrocious at like 1100 meters. Yeah, so it's, it's not a ballerina by any uh, stretch of the imagination. And uh, with a 22-second rudder shift time, you're probably not going to be avoiding any torpedoes. So, yeah, it's better just to stay away from sources of torpedoes and not stop so you're a sitting duck for torpedoes because you're not going to be able to avoid them. The maneuverability is pretty atrocious. Even though the turning soaker radius isn't awful, the rudder shift time, I think, is worst in game. I think. I'm not sure, though. Like, the worst in the game. So, it is atrocious. But let's let's put a build on here real quick. Uh, so for upgrades, we'll do main armaments mod one, then damage con mod two or mod one. Then we'll do either artillery plotting room mod one or main battery modification two. I'm doing main battery mod two, damage con two, or you can do steering gears modification one because of that atrocious rudder shift time. But I'm gonna do damage con because fires suck. And then um, we're going to do Concealment System Modification 1 to try and reel in that dispersion a little, or not dispersion, that um, uh, concealment a little bit. And then uh, we'll do Artillery Plotting Room Modification 2, the U.S. Battleship's Special Modification, to reel in that uh, pretty uh, interesting dispersion. Uh, then for Commander Skills, we're going to do Emergency Repair Specialist, Priority Target, Adrenaline Rush, and then we're going to do... Uh, emergency repair expert or concealment expert, whichever one you want to take for your first 10 points. Then for uh, uh, the 14 points, we'll take concealment expert. And then for uh, 18 points, we'll take fire prevention expert. And then we'll do probably improved repair readiness or basics of survivability. 
Yeah, we can do basics of survivability. Either one works. It's kind of a traditional battleship build. You can do a secondary build if you want to. Don't really recommend it. Go get a Palmer if you want to do that or an FDG or something. Uh, this is an American battleship. It's not meant to do that. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's an American battleship that's not the Massachusetts, Georgia, or Ohio, so don't do that. Oh, and speaking of American battleships, I forgot to mention that it has the improved uh, American heal and the uh, improved American damage con that lasts for 20 seconds or 22 seconds if you spec and do it. Um, and that, yeah, so the American uh, damage repair party spec into it goes around just over 30 seconds. Uh, it does 0 0.66 HP for, uh, per second. Fully spec'd out, you get five. Um, uh, you get five charges of it, and the reload time is 76.6 seconds, standard spotter plane or fighter, depending on what you want to choose. Um, and back to build, we'll do some flags now. Let's do Juliet Charlie for no, uh, magazines, uh, or for no magazine explosions, then India Yankee for less fires, then Juliet Char- or, then Juliet Yankee Bissell 2 for, um... Uh, less leaks. Then we're going to do India Delta for the better uh, heal recovery. Then we're going to do Sierra Mike for more speed. November Foxtrot for less uh, reload on our um, consumables. And then we're going to do November Echo Set to 7, which improves your AA. And I know I don't usually recommend AA builds, but I have AA flags to burn, so may as well just throw it on there and, you know, what the heck. So, uh, yeah, that's going to get our dispersion down to 264 meters, uh, horizontal and vertical 159 meters, which isn't all that bad. You'll get some really good salvos out of that. Um, our fire duration has gone to, our fire duration has gone down to 34 seconds. The flooding has gone down to 23.1 seconds, dramatically reducing the damage to just 10,000 for the fires and 11,000 for the floods. And then for uh, Repair Party, um, we're now recovering 0.792% of our HP per second, and we're now lasting 30 seconds on that and 22 seconds on the damage con. So yeah, it's um, it's a bit potent, I would say. Um, and so is just Montana. Oh, and our concealment's down to 14 kilometers, which is actually kind of decent. Our concealment by air is 10.46 kilometers, and... Um, yeah, and then if uh, we have our adrenaline rush and we switch it down to 50%, what's our reload going to be? Our reload is 27 seconds, so if you're at a 50% HP or or less, you'll have around a 27 second reload. So I think if you lose a lot of health, you can you can see a 25 second reload on 12 16 inch guns that hit like trucks. So yeah, uh, Montana, power crept for sure, but we'll... I'll show you that it's not, you can work really well. I think I got like 190,000 damage uh, in my best game so far, and I've played maybe 30 games in this ship so far. Uh, I just got it. I, no, I didn't just get it, but I got it a month ago, and I have been grinding on uh, the Seven Provincia a lot, so I haven't get, gotten a whole lot of chance to play it. But 190k is definitely not bad, especially for a person who's a cruiser main. So, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, and what was that one decision that I was telling you about earlier that totally changed my game with this ship? If you're spawning on the flank, on the right flank, turn left. Go into the middle of the map. You do not want to go out on the flank and get singled out in the ship. If you go in the middle of the map, uh, and this applies for spawning on the left side too, you're going to turn right and go into the middle of the map, you're going to do a lot better. And people are like, oh, are you saying to go suicide straight in the middle and just get uh, killed right away? No, what I'm saying is you're going to sit 
not in the back of the map. You're going to sit forward of the spawn points, like just outside the cap circles, maybe, I don't know, five kilometers outside the cap circles in the center, and you're just going to sit there, and you're going to kind of turn and go back and forth, and like in the middle of the map, and you're just going to uh, dish out damage from a distance. Not camping way in the back of the map by, like, what is it, the A and J lines on either side of the map and just border surfing? No, you're not going to do that. That's useless. You Good luck hitting anything from that distance. What you're going to do is you're going to sit, uh, like, five kilometers or so right outside that B cap, the entrance to the B cap, and you're just going to you're gonna sit in between uh, A and C and just kind of float around making like figure eights and you're just gonna come in and out until you've worn down the enemy with your excellent artillery um, which until the introduction of the Vermont last year was still bested here uh, as far as broadside uh, throw weight and I think the Cristoforo Colombo has uh, or no Cristoforo Colombo excuse me uh, has the heaviest broadside throw weight but that thing can't hit the broadside of a barn from the inside so I guess the Montana still probably has the best effective firepower uh, it's rivaled with the Vermont but the Vermont can have some questionable accuracy sometimes although you get some really good salvos with that ship but overall Montana's better than Vermont I would say because there's less of it to hit um yeah, so if you just if you try doing this in a Vermont, you're probably going to get killed because you're just such a big target. But with the Montana, you can you're the sheer size of the ship and the way it's built means that there's not a whole lot of superstructure to hit. Obviously, you got that thing that looks like a lighthouse on the the uh, middle of the ship and the funnels and things that you can get hit. But a lot of shots, for whatever reason, they seem to go over the front of the ship or the back of the ship. And since the superstructures Although it is, like, physically tall, it's very kind of squat, and it's not much of the ship. It's, yeah, so you can easily hit it if you aim, but it seems like people can't really aim that well in the game, especially if you're playing on a weekend. So that allows you to escape some uh, HE damage, and the ship is well-armored in pretty much every other respect, and it doesn't have any weird German armor, and I... And last time I checked, it didn't have any of the weird space armor that's on the Iowa. So you get less penetration damage like you do on the Iowa. And it's more just ricochets and shatters that um, when things try to shoot at you. Um, also, that, um, that forward shape, if you just stick your bow towards everything, it allows you to bow tank a lot of damage too. Because it kind of has the same Iowa sort of shape where... Um, if something hits the front, it's pretty much guaranteed ricochet. Not as much as the Iowa, because the Iowa's literally insane, but um, it's certainly pretty good. And the decks are well-armored, too. I think they have 30 millimeters of plating all the way around. So, uh, yeah, you're going to shatter any of those Kitakaze shells and things like that. So you're pretty much immune to fire from uh, Hurugamos and Kitakazes. Um, and I have to check what their penetration with IFHE is, because I totally forget... Um, my thresholds are escaping my mind right now, but I don't think they have the penetration to do 38. They can do 32, but you, your bow and stern will saturate really quick, same with your superstructure, so they'll be pretty much just farming small penetration damage off you, or just suffering non-penetration after non-penetration if they try to farm your deck. So yeah, it's it's pretty good. I've had a lot of good games in the ship. It, and sometimes you overextend and it's you'll sink, and it doesn't really have the power to to go on a he slinging contest with a conqueror or a thunder. It can't really do much against them, unfortunately, uh, unless the conqueror or thunder is stupid enough to give you broadside and you can chunk them for 50k each time, so you kill them in a minute. 
but this thing kind of does eat Kremlins for breakfast, though, especially if they give you broadside. Um, there's one that came around the corner in front of me, and I literally took him out in one shot. Uh, he was on 90,000 health, I think. Yeah, he was on 90,000 health, and I one-shot him, so that was pretty good. Uh, the sheer amount of shells you throw at targets makes you extremely effective at dealing with destroyers, because even if you get only over-penetrations, you're throwing 12 shells at the target, so you're doing like 12,000 damage a salvo if you hit like a decent amount of your shell, or if you hit 10 of your shells, you're doing around 12 to 13,000 damage salvos to destroyers, so yeah, you can nuke them pretty easily, and then uh, unfortunately, uh, Minotaurs tend to get away pretty easily, unless they're not angled. If they're not angled, you can delete them, because, uh, their armor is so thin that if they don't angle, you'll mostly get over penetrations pretty much no matter what you do, because I don't think you have enough penetration on the, uh, high explosive to citadel them, nor do you have the, um, short fuse timers of the British battleships to, um, you know, to uh, make sure your shells uh, actually arm and explode in the citadels of uh, Minotaurs, so they just overpen and do next to no damage. But when they're angled, you overmatch their bow, and it goes and travels through the length of the ship and eventually detonates in the citadel. So, yes, look for angled cruisers uh, or broadside Henri's and Hindenburgs because you will generally not overpenetrate them because the Henri is just enormous, and the Hindenburg is well armored enough for you to arm your. Uh, shells. So yes, you're pretty good at deleting cruisers, but what battleship is not good at deleting cruisers? That isn't the Roma. Um, you know, so it's, I yeah, I, I really do like this ship. Um, it can be a bit frustrating in the play because it's hard to find the balance of do I push enough or, and, you know, risk getting killed or do I sit in the back and do nothing? You know, it's you have to find that balance because the Montana is a bit more of a snipey battleship, but it's not like a Thunderer or a Slava. It doesn't have the accuracy to sit in the back of the map and rack up, you know, 120,000 damage by just pressing HE like a Thunderer or by pressing AP like a Slava. And it doesn't have the armor of, you know, a Grossa Kerfurst or a Kremlin just to sit in front of the whole enemy team and survive half the match because, you know, that's balanced Soviet mechanics. Um, so, like I said, usually floating around the middle and just kind of, you know, just being that thing that no one pays attention to, but is dangerous anyway because you just slowly start picking them off, except they don't have a chance to shoot at you because you're kind of a one-and-done thing. Usually when you shoot at a cruiser, it, uh, it only gets, you know, you, you you usually only need like one or two salvos to deal with them, especially if your shot's hit. Now sometimes RNG just trolls you, and this happens a lot in the USS Montana for some reason, and you'll just get awful salvos, but there's a lot of salvos where you'll get one shell that goes inside of another shell's like pixel, and um, that's that's pretty nice when that happens. So I would say overall I've enjoyed the Montana. It's probably not the strongest battleship in the game. In fact, I can say for sure it's not the strongest battleship in the game. But it's also got nothing wrong with it. In fact, that it can it can brawl when it needs to, and you know when it can kind of snipe when it needs to, and um, it's best in the middle range. It, it's the jack of all trades, master of none, and. It has no weaknesses, but it also kind of has no strengths. That's the kind of the problem with being a jack-of-all-trades, is you can do something better than everyone, but everyone can also do something better than you. So, yeah. Or, well, you can do 
everything better than anyone, but someone can always do something better than you in any situation. So you just got to find those situations where the things that you can do better than them is, uh, is, are more valuable in the situation than you are than the things that they can do better than you. I guess I guess I've basically just stated the laws of combat, but you know, yeah, Montana, you have to pick favorable situations and picking favorable trade deals. That's that's what the Montana's about. Uh, so that'll be it for Rank Amateur this week, and I hope that I'll get into slightly more of a regular schedule with my uploads. And I'm sorry about the uh, long time that's taken for this episode to come out, but if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ship suggestions, please feel free to email me at rankamateurpodcast.gmail.com. Check out my merch if you want to, or don't. You know, the choice is entirely yours. Um, and I will catch you next time, Captains.